Welcome to the Beehive Live. My name's Clint Betts. I am here with Meg Walter. Meg, good Hi. to see you. Good to see you too. Yes, we have so much to talk about today. Uh, what are we talking about today? Well, first, we are talking with our friend, Representative Suzanne Harrison, who has joined us via Zoom from her home. Suzanne, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me on the show, Megan Clint. So, Representative Harrison, not only are you a Utah lawmaker, you are also a member of healthcare industry. You work as a healthcare here in Utah, and we would like to have you just take a minute and tell us what it is like to be a healthcare worker right now uh, amidst coronavirus. So I'm a practicing medical doctor, a physician, anesthesiologist. I normally work at a couple different hospitals in the Salt Lake County region, but right now I'm primarily at Riverton Hospital. And things are a little different right now because of um, the various efforts that we've taken to keep patients safe and keep the community safe. Uh, as you may have known, the governor uh, early on took some important steps to make sure that the community was safe in terms of limiting elective surgeries and, and trying to make sure that we weren't overrunning our hospital system mm-hmm. with um, with. Uh, patients in terms of in critical care needs and so forth. So we've been pretty slow in terms of the uh, operating room and doing only real emergencies and life-saving surgeries and critical things that can't be delayed. This last week, the governor announced that we're going to be opening things up a little bit more in terms of surgeries and, and some healthcare needs. So we've been getting a little bit busier, which is helping some patients that need care get care. So it's been an honor and a privilege and my heart goes out to every patient that's either gotten sick or families that have lost loved ones in this crisis. This has been a huge hit on many communities. And, you know, even in the last couple of days, we've seen some spikes in terms of cases in San Juan County and some other parts of the state. So I'm, we need to stay vigilant in terms of social distancing and hand washing and looking out for each other. Do you feel like hospitals are prepared if we have a spike in the coming month or two? I do. I think that we have taken a lot of precautions um, in terms of, you know, really limiting those elective surgeries and and visits to the doctor. Certainly people need to know that if they need care, the emergency rooms are open, those urgent care centers are open and you should seek care if you need it. But if it's something that can be delayed, talk to your healthcare provider and, and, and if it's not urgent or really needed, delay a little bit. So we've done a great job. We've done a lot of things right in Utah in terms of flattening that curve and making sure that we're not overwhelmed. And I think it sounds, um, it's not very exciting to feel like you're, you know, helping your state and helping your neighbors by staying home watching Netflix, but you really actually are. And we've, we've, I, my, I thank the people of Utah for the many sacrifices and efforts, both individual families and also businesses that they've made to make sure that we're not getting overwhelmed in our state and, and turning into like some of the crises that we've seen in New York and other cities. Yeah, we've been pretty lucky. Um, Representative Harrison, in the last week or two, you've raised some concerns that I've seen on social media surrounding some transparency for taxpayers. I wonder if you want to take a minute and explain more about that and some of the concerns you may have. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, my first job as a lawmaker is looking out for my constituents. And 
people in my community and as a fiscal conservative myself, I really care about um, watching every taxpayer dollar, making sure we're spending it wisely and in ways that truly help Utahns that are struggling and businesses that are struggling and on real needs in our state. Um, we learned last week that there's been over $70 million in um, no bid contracts and purchasing uh, agreements made through the governor's office, which, you know, I, I, I am sure that much of that is warranted and needed, but I feel it's very important that as taxpayers, we have transparency and accountability in how every taxpayer dollar is being spent. There have been some concerning um, things come out in the news and that I've been trying to look into more in terms of certain contracts, certain no bid contracts with public funds for certain like tech companies. And, and I think taxpayers deserve to know how their money's being spent, that it's being spent wisely and judiciously and that we're not having this emergency offer a shield from transparency and potentially taking advantage of, of taxpayers. Clint, I wonder if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, I think uh, the more transparency around any contract that the state has signed uh, with, with any company would be, would be wonderful. Um, I think the, the state itself should defend it. I think um, these companies should come out and be transparent about how it all came about. And I think that uh, that makes all the sense in the world, right? Um, uh, you know, and I, I think there, there's a lot more contracts to come out. And, and uh, I don't think that just the, um, just the fact that contracts came, come, came out or have come out or have been signed makes a controversy and may, maybe they're justified, maybe they're not. Uh, but um, I agree with, with you, Representative Harrison, it makes a lot of sense that they should be published and transparent. We saw for the first time yesterday, for example, uh, the contract that the University of Utah Health has gotten around uh, testing and their cost per test. Um, I think that uh, that information is awesome. And of course, the University of Utah Health should get a contract. Um, I imagine that was a no-bid contract. Uh, uh, as they're able to do that, um, it would be great to, um, you know, understand the, the, the types of contracts that uh, IHC has received, why they've received them. Um, you know, these, uh, these questions around banjo, uh, I think, are, are, are legitimate. And the questions around Test Utah are legitimate. In, in particular, uh, the, um, you know, the hydroxychloroquine, uh, you know, purchase and, and, the, and an email that was sent by one of the CEOs, um, you know, the, uh, what their company is part of Test Utah around um, early on, there was a lot of ideas being thrown around, at least in my experience in my role uh, here at Silicon Slopes about various ways that the tech community and the Silicon Slopes community could uh, give back and support this and maybe even fundraise. And, and there was an email that was published around uh, one of these CEOs asking uh, the, some of these other tech companies and CEOs to donate some money, to buy drugs, to buy, uh, and one of those things that I think, believe that he mentioned was that to buy hydroxychloroquine, uh, there was a push to, you know, raise money to do PPE. There was a, there was a lot of ideas being thrown around. Um, and, and, you know, the, this email 
from the CEO has been uh, published, CEO of Nomi Health. And um, uh, I, all I can say is that didn't happen. Uh, you know, ultimately, at least as far as I'm aware, like uh, the, the, his idea in the email was that to use a fund that uh, Silicon Slopes had spun up for uh, – uh, our, our response to COVID-19 and to help our community respond to buy these drugs or uh, to buy these things or, or to do as he suggested. Uh, nobody ever gave the, this fund money to buy hydroxychloroquine. Um, nobody ever gave this fund money for anything other than uh, to, to help Silicon Slopes respond to this on the economic side um, and on the, uh, you know, various other ways that, that the Slopes Surge Fund is, is being utilized. So there was a lot of ideas being thrown around. And I think all of that, like all of that, there should be transparency around. And like, how did that happen? How did it go from uh, a pitch in, in, a, in a private email to a bunch of CEOs uh, trying to raise money to buy hydroxychloroquine and, and to the state purchasing it directly um, from uh, Meds in Motion. Why did they purchase it? All that stuff I think is is great. I'm I'm excited that uh, Dougal, our state auditor, is auditing these decisions um, that have been made around Test Test Utah and the, like how did these companies get contracts? Because even I think originally, not I think, I know, originally Test Utah was, I thought it was going to be as like a little website where we just directed people to all the other um, testing sites. And uh, what it turned into is like, actually, that costs a lot of money the, the, to, to do something like that. Uh, Silicon Slopes wouldn't be able to fundraise uh, you know, to put these on, nor is it in our, is, is it in our wheelhouse or expertise to do so. So we went and partnered with uh, HCA, the largest hospital system in the, in the country, to, uh, you know, help on the lab side of things. We partnered with Co-Diagnostics, whose COVID-19 test is being used throughout the world. I think it's one of the most widely used tests around the world. Um, for, you know, for around COVID-19, uh, we partnered with the Utah Department of Health and the state of Utah to, uh, and it is a Utah Department of Health program, which I think is getting uh, lost here in this conversation, uh, particularly when they say that the, the, um, uh, Mark Newman and Nomi Health runs Test Utah. That's not true. The, the Department of Health uh, runs uh, Test Utah. But I mean, those are kind of, uh, you know, pointless conversations to go back and forth on. I think the, the idea around like transparency is key. Um, and, you know, uh, the, the state approached these companies, these independent companies and said, hey, we want to sign contracts with you because we want to expand testing to where at the time, I believe they were saying they wanted to get to 7000 tests per day. Um, and, you know, again, like that's just not something that speaking on behalf of Silicon Slopes and really kind of speaking on behalf of the tech community, uh, that's not something that privately we could pull off even if we wanted to. Um, and, and the purchasing of hydroxychloroquine is not something that um, we would do, even if we wanted to, even if it was pitched in an email by a CEO as though we should. Uh, it's just not something that, that we would do or, or get involved in. And so I agree with you, Representative Harrison. I'm happy to answer any questions that you and you and I have talked about this as, as well. 
Um, but uh, I think the fundamental thing is, is transparency is key here for all contracts. Like this, um, this contact tracing app is another good example, the $2.5 million uh, contract that the state of Utah signed for this uh, Silicon Valley company, this this California company, not connected to, um, it's not even a Utah tech company that they that they signed this uh, $2.5 million contract with to do this contact tracing. Like, is that a fair price? Is that not a fair price? The implication is uh, sometimes when we ask these questions that maybe um, things are nefarious and things um, are on the up and up. And uh, without uh, full transparency, I don't think we know the answer on a lot of these things. Um, and so I would make the same call that you're making, uh, Representative Harrison, that all, all contracts, like all contracts, anyone has received, even, even the ones who uh, we all love and, and believe should have contracts like IHC and like University of Utah Health and like all of these folks, like let's see, uh, you know, their, con their contracts, let's see their cost per test. Let's, let's compare that to um, other providers cost per test. Uh, let, let's see the, these labs capabilities and let's see uh, these tests and their capabilities and uh, just have some full transparency around the whole thing. I think that's the only way to confront this. And uh, above all, let's be clear um, and, and, and let's have our state leadership that made these decisions, that controls the state uh, checkbook, stand up and fiercely defend, uh, you know, the decisions they've made or apologize for some of the ones that they've made. Yeah, and I, I, I am so happy that to, to see that you share that commitment to transparency and that call for that, because I, I agree, like, there are, there is a need to be nimble in an emergency, and this pandemic is something that we've never encountered before, but the way to make sure that things are on the up and up, like you said, is full transparency. How did these, you know, this, how did it go from, you know, we're going to crowdsource this by the private sector to we're going to do this at cost to, you know, potentially lucrative, you know, no bid contracts. How did that progression happen? Who was in charge of those negotiations and decisions in the executive branch? And how do we make sure as a, as part of the legislative branch, I think the next question is how do we make sure that the next emergency we have are there statutory changes that need to be made to put some more guardrails in terms of what what are appropriate you know what's the the, the give and take between being nimble versus being you know uh, potentially taking advantage of of taxpayers and i think that 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 conversation needs to happen you know i can see some sort of space for you know we're running out of swabs in the state of utah we really need to make that purchase. That's an emergency situation if we aren't able to conduct any tests because we have no you know, swabs or reagent or what have you. There were real shortages. I think that category of a purchase is very different from you know, a $2.75 million contract, no big contract for an app that I think is in a different category of urgency and need. And that's where I think we need to have, you know, the disclosure, the transparency, and potentially statutory changes to make sure we have the proper guardrails to protect taxpayers in the future and make sure that we do have full transparency and, and kind of, you know, a reckoning that we are responsible as public officials for the public, for the public taxpayer dollars. And I, I want to make sure that's spent to help Utah families that are struggling, you know, businesses that are struggling and spend it in the best way possible.
Representative Harrison, wouldn't you say, like, I, I totally agree, and I think your leadership on this and, and your um, call for this from the very beginning has been appropriate and, and very needed, and I appreciate you for doing that. I really do. I think uh, there needs to be accountability for decisions that are made, um, and, you know, again, I don't say that, and I don't even think you're saying that, implying that these decisions were made nefariously. Not it's just I think that... Yeah, I just think that there needs to be accountability to it. And and something that I, I, I mean, who am I? Like, you're a representative. I'm, uh, you know, uh, the uh, guy doing Silicon Slopes from his uh, storage unit in Salem, Utah. But I would love every company that's received money from the, from the state or the federal government in here in Utah to release their contracts or uh, have uh, the same way, you know, that these uh, contracts – uh, like the app and uh, some of the contracts around Test Utah have been grandma'd. I, I, I'd love to see um, all of these other contracts grandma'd as well. It would be, uh, you know, only appropriate that the whole thing is reviewed um, and all of these companies who are taking money uh, can show that they're using taxpayers' money wisely and in an appropriate way. Yeah, and I want to thank you and all the various private sector individuals and companies that have really tried to help. This is something like government cannot be the answer for everything. And we have individual responsibility. And also like there's a lot of folks in the private sector really trying to help. And I appreciate what you've done and so many other folks in our state to try and help us weather this in, a, in so many ways we are better positioned in Utah because of the leadership, both you know, in the private and public sector. And I think that the way to address any of these questions is, is like you said, like transparency is the answer. And I think that's the answer the public deserves and we'll put a lot of these um, questions to bed and we can move forward. Yes, I think this is a time for, for leadership and transparency and those who are, you know, involved in this, I, th I think they should step up. I totally agree. Well, thank you so much for having me on it. So I really appreciate your time and that you're continuing with these public discussions. I think it's really important, especially right now. Thank you. And again, thanks for everything you're doing. Uh, it's, it's, and, and in particular, even like in your day job, you're, uh, as, as a doctor, thank you for being on the front lines of this thing. I know that that's, um, you know, those who are doing that are heroic and, and you're no exception. So thank you so much. That's very kind. And I want to thank the people of Utah. I'm on the, I'm on a list of doctors that are willing to volunteer in the ICUs should the need arise if our normal ICU system gets overwhelmed. And that, that need has not arisen. And that's, I think the people of Utah because so many sacrifices have been made and, and because of those sacrifices, we have not been overwhelmed. So thank you for what you're doing and thanks to the people of Utah and to everyone involved. Thank you, Representative Harrison. Uh, Meg, we have more to talk about. Sure do. Let's, uh, let's Representative Harrison, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you again. Uh, Clint, I, you know, I want to talk more about this Healthy Together app. Um, yeah. as far as I understand it, is that the state hired this company called 20 to create this app called Healthy Together. 
Um, and then Blinksy, which is a local Utah tech company, said, hold up, we have the patent for that. Um, and they've said that they have started contacting a lot of these these companies that are developing contact tracing technology to let them know that they hold the patent for that. Uh, I assume that 20 is one of them. I, I mean, there are different ways to interpret this story, right? You can look at it as opportunistic, but you can also look at it as them trying to protect the privacy and data of Utahns, Mark Pittman, who runs Blinksy, said uh, the biggest issue we have here is if people roll out contact tracing, some people are bad actors, and if they use it for the wrong reasons, we can never use contact tracing again. I think that's a valid point. Um, again, that's a lot of money. You mentioned it was $2.5 million to develop this app. What? Why did it take $2.5 million? And maybe I'm naive and I don't understand what it takes to develop an app like that. I'd love your insight. I have, yeah, I have no idea how it costs that much money. The, um, but maybe there's like, the only thing I could think of having run a dev shop in a previous life or been a part of uh, running a dev shop in the previous lives is just like uh, transitioning your whole team to build an app uh, and build it up quickly and, you know, getting, having some costs associated with, um, you know, doing that. I don't know. Uh, they, they did spin it up quick. I don't know if it works. Again, like I don't know anything about 20. They're not a Utah company. Uh, the first time I heard about uh, 20 was this. I do know about Blinksy. I think mm -hmm. Blinksy's a great uh, local tech company. I don't know anything about patents though. Yeah. And whether they own a patent or whether they don't, I do, uh, I, I do really admire Mark and the company he's built and the technology he's built. And he's got some incredible people uh, helping him, him uh, kind of fight this and uh, ensure that this technology isn't used for nefarious purposes. One of them being uh, Because Learning CEO, Sunny Washington, who yeah, I, I love. So. I think she's incredible. And so, uh, I, yeah, the, the, I don't know the cost. Again, like, let's dig in and see if, if um, before we say either way, whether this is uh, too much money or not enough, I can say just like I have, I do have some experience around software development and, and building stuff for third-party clients. It does seem high, but um, maybe they have a great explanation for it. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Uh, I think we're at the beginning of the story and there will be more developments and we will see those play out. Uh, I, I, have talked with Mark once. I did an interview with him actually for Silicon Slopes. Astoundingly bright guy. Uh, it was one of those interviews where I can usually fake it and kind of understand what people are talking about. And I, <laughs> what Blinksy does is so beyond my realm of understanding that I walked away from that. I just had, I still have no idea really the ins and outs of what Blinksy does, but I know it's very cool um, and it could be very useful right now. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it was something, I think it started as like something to do with like helping traffic not be as bad. And it's now yeah. become something so much more than that. All of these tech companies, if I'm being honest, yeah, I can, I can barely tell you what two of them do. Um, <laughs> like, like uh, Banjo is a good example uh, of, of a tech company. Like I cannot, for the life of you, for the life of me, tell you what Banjo does. Even outside of this scandal, I'm not sure what Banjo does. 
right. from a technical perspective. Uh, and so it's pretty fascinating. Uh, I'm not comparing Blinksy and Banjo because, you know, Blinksy wouldn't like that at this point. But um, the, the, yeah, it's, it's hard to understand this stuff and, and really get a sense. But, but the app, I think, I think there's legitimate, there, again, there's legitimate questions around all of these contracts and how they happened and where, uh, how the prices that they landed on were landed on and why yeah. these decisions were made. Um, but I'm not even, even not even knowing 20 or having anything to do with them. I'm not, you know, willing to say that it's too much until, you know, they provide an explanation other than to say, that's a lot for a pretty simple app. I know that there are some integrations and stuff, but, but that's, that's quite a bit of money. Yeah. And I guess, I guess one of my fears here is that we get, uh, we meaning the state gets, held up in a legal battle when we need contact tracing pretty quickly, right? So I, I hope that this works itself out, this patent claim and these privacy concerns can be sorted out while the contact tracing technology is still ramping up because that's something we really re need right now, especially as we've moved to this lower risk classification. Um, that would be my only hesitation to kind of delve into this more. Yeah, yeah, uh, that 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 story will be fascinating uh, to see to see what happens there. This is this is crazy times. This show has become so serious. Our show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you spent like twelve minutes yesterday talking about Norm McDonald's. <laughs> we should have done way more of that. I have fifty more minutes of Norm McDonald's yeah. thing stuff. Yeah, I could um, go for hours. Um, no, but yeah, you know, serious stories today. Who knows? Tomorrow, maybe we'll uh, we'll examine the work of Hannibal Burris or something. It's it's hard to say. Um, Meg, let me tell you a funny story, actually. So so our viewers don't think we we only talk about serious stuff. Okay. On CNN.com, there was a headline. One of their top stories was in Austin, Texas, a park ranger was uh noticed like a bunch of people were gathering at this park mm -hmm. and you know got up and uh like on a bridge or something and began to give like a speech on why they should practice safe social distancing a park and, ranger and, yeah a park ranger okay. a park ranger you know the position of authority has the uniform on all that type of stuff gets up on like this bridge and says, hey, uh, just so everybody knows, I'm a park ranger, uh, and I think you should all be practicing safe social distancing. In yes. the middle of that speech, before he could get it all the way out, he was pushed into the lake. By other people. By the people he was speak speaking to. <laughs> they just pushed the park ranger into the lake. How we're, great is that story? We're like, doomed. Nah, see ya. We're doomed. That's Crazy. That's shocking. It's amazing. Well, now that guy's, you know, the guy who pushed him in, he's in a lot of trouble, but it made me laugh. So it's one worth guy. his legal troubles. It yeah, wasn't one a, guy. It wasn't one guy mom. just, no, well, there was like kind of like a, there was a lot of people, but some of the witnesses were like, yeah, he just got up and was like, was telling us like, uh, hey, social distancing is important. And then like some guy just came and pushed him into the lake for saying that. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. I don't like that. Yep. Okay, right. well, cool. So, yeah, there's, oh boy, there's no hope, is there? Yeah, there's hope. All right, we'll talk to everyone.
tomorrow on Wednesday. Wacky Wednesday. Tomorrow is Wednesday. We'll see you then.